0: This is your reminder, Black Lives Matter. This is Soccer Better sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. We're Liz and Laura Ellen. Between the two of us, we have too many years of graduate education to be helpful. We decided to journey into the world of critical thinking and the analytical side of all things soccer. Join us as we discover how we can all soccer better. Liz, we are back with more Soccer Better. This is episode seven.
1: And we are completely outside my realm of knowledge. And it was kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, I kind of liked this paper. I had some thoughts, clearly, because that's why we're doing this. That's why um, we're doing this. But I'm really excited to get into it. So, uh, this episode's paper is entitled The Internationalization of a Sports Team Brand The Case of European Soccer Teams. This paper was published in 2008 uh, by Richelieu and colleagues, Um, and so what they were really looking at, they did three kind of case studies, I think is a good way of thinking about it, Uh, they looked at three teams. And use them as an example for the conceptual framework that they put together about how a soccer team can use their branding to become kind of more well-known on an international stage. And I think uh, just as kind of like a framework, right, this paper was published in 2008, and that was a long time ago. Stop saying the
1: Did- things like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like when people remind me. Of those things.
0: Right. So as of this recording, we're recording in 2020. So 2008 was 12 years ago. What? <laughs> well, that actually makes me feel really old. Um, but I think a lot of the things they were talking about, it's really interesting looking back 12, you know, 12 years later, you know, were their hypotheses true? Like, did they actually predict kind of what would happen with these teams?
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair. I should have done um, a little bit of homework, like, looking forward. But I think we've established previously, like, I'm not going to do that homework, but I'm going to talk about what I should (laughs) have done to maybe make my knowledge um, more well-rounded. But I think that we can tell, and just so, like, we're clear, like, one of the teams they look at is Barcelona. So we can tell if this brand took the steps and maybe they didn't take the steps, but did they meet that end goal that um, they're talking about, about um, internationalization? I think that we can probably say yes. Um, let's see. So but what are the three teams that they're talking? That we're talking about, Laurel? I think that's important.
0: Okay. So I – oh, goodness. Now I'm going to have to find it with my old lady eyes trying to look. So one of them was FC Barcelona, which I think a lot of people – have heard of it is also like the first international professional team that I started following um, and I actually started following Barcelona right around 2008 uh, 2007 2008 so this is like super interesting to me um, okay so FC Barcelona um, Paris Saint-Germain so PSG which is a French club oh my goodness my French is so bad what's uh, OM so Olympique Oh, gosh. All the soccer fans. De Marseille. Marseille. That's terrible. I took (laughs) Spanish for many, like eight years. I took Spanish and I don't know French. I'm so sorry. But so they have two French teams Mm -hmm. and then a Spanish team. Um, And so they kind of start this paper, which I thought this was I very much appreciate when authors do a really good job of providing the context For what they're going to talk about. That's something that as a researcher myself. I really try to do. And I really struggle with it. Right. It's like a skill that you learn. So I thought they did a good job. Of saying. Okay. Let's think of the sports teams. That are just known throughout the world. So they use Manchester United. Real Madrid. But then they also talk about the Yankees. Right. The New York Yankees. The Dallas Cowboys. Right. And these teams are bigger than just the sport that they play in they are internationally known and this one um this one quote that they have nowadays some people wear the new york yankees logo in the same way uh the same way others sport a gucci or lacoste lacoste that's terrible more french gucci guys we're awful Please or awful. don't judge us Listen I grew up under a rock so I don't know Any of these super fancy brand names But I think that's like a really important thing right Like Yankees Hats or like cowboy stuff has Become a fashion thing It's not just just about the sports Anymore So they use that as kind of the Introduction and then they talk about What strategies can Sports teams specifically These three the case studies that they used, Use to reach kind of that level or move toward reaching that level of international recognition. What did you think about like the the first part kind of their setup to this paper or the research that they did?
1: Yeah, so, Um, At first I looked at this and I was like, wow, this is a long paper. Full disclosure, I'm a procrastinator, so I didn't read this as early as I should have and I felt time crunched. Also, work has been crazy and that'll probably always be true, but I'm using it as an excuse. Um, But then as I started reading it, I was so engrossed in what they were saying and I took it all back like a step. So we have a local second division team that we uh, root for and also... Um, I took it in the context of what we could do for our supporters group. So just finding out how I could like correlate those things back to us. And there were so many things that I took from this. Like I think this is the most notes that I've taken on any of our papers. They're everywhere. Um, Luckily, I turned off the notifications, so Laura Ellen didn't receive a a little ping every time I made a note because she would have been (laughs) really frustrated with me. But by the time I got to the end of the paper – I actually wish there was a couple more pages like I would have could have done with some more analysis like they give They do what we try to do at the end. They say this is how these brands could become International this is how they could become bigger This is the kind of framework that maybe they should investigate that we think that would work for them How can they soccer better? And I just there wasn't enough of that I could have done with so much more of that Um even though I wouldn't have taken it for my personal uses, I was just very curious about how they thought, what their thought process was because of the way that they set it up, the way that they talked about the frameworks that they were going to use and the way um, that they gave their synopsis. I was really impressed with this paper. Yeah,
0: I 100% agree with you. And I think, so what these authors did, uh, they used... A, They use selections from different theories to put together a framework of three different groupings or three different scenarios i'm sorry four scenarios um i misspoke there so four scenarios of different kind of stages that teams can be in and progress through uh if they choose to and i think that's something that Perhaps they didn't, or at least if they did talk about it, I I missed a little bit. I think it's interesting because I was thinking about the second division team that we support. And I was thinking, you know, do they really want to be an international? You know, I don't think, I don't think that that should necessarily be the goal. I think their goal should be more locally focused, which I think they talk about that um, a little bit. Okay. So the four scenarios Uh, the first one is brand reputation. So think local, act global. Uh, the second one is brand affinity. And again, this is thinking local, but acting global. And the, the manifestations of those actions are different for each of these. The third scenario is brand challenger. So again, thinking local and acting global. And the final one, which I had like, a little bit of problem with this language, Um, the fourth scenario is brand conquistador, which I was like, okay, maybe let's find another word to use for that. Uh, But anyway, um, and uh, that's unifying local brands. So bringing different local brands together to take over the international marketing stage. I don't know. I, I was anyway. Conquistador is... Doesn't really have the best connotations for me, Um, but these were the different scenarios. And then what they did was they used this framework and they did one to three interviews at each of the three clubs. So O.M., PSG, FC Barcelona, and to kind of learn about how each team was was figuring it out and was moving forward in this progression. And they had this really nice – I know I'm talking a lot, Liz.
1: That's I'll okay. We'll take turns this. talking a lot. <laughs>
0: um, I thought their figure one was really nice. It's kind of this um, – so if you think of, like, the two axes, it's kind of this, like, arching loop about how um, teams can progress. And, and what I thought was really nice is they put all the theory on this figure – and then they pointed out where O.M. and PSG were and then where Barcelona was on the graph, which I thought was a really nice representation. And again, just contextualizing and helping just taking the reader along the story. Uh, so I just talked a whole, whole bunch. Liz, <laughs> what uh, were some of your like major thoughts about this paper?
1: Yeah. So for our context, we are in um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, And we have boroughs instead of, like, I don't know, little towns. But within side of our county, we have boroughs. Um, And Allegheny County has 90 boroughs, which I think is fun because then you can go 90 boroughs for 90 minutes, which is a two-stick that we've made previously, and I find it delightful. (laughs) So when I was thinking about taking over the world... I was thinking about taking over Allegheny County. Of course, we want to go a little bit larger than that. But let's say if we can get Allegheny County first, you know, for a a second division soccer team, I think that that is a great way to think about it. And then if you can scale that up, you can easily scale it up because after you, you know, conquer the boroughs and you have a county, then you can county, conquer the counties and you have a state, and then we can just take over the United States and everything will be black and yellow, but not Steelers, Riverhounds just throwing it out there it's an idea we're going to change and there are already bars across the world that are Steelers bars we're just going to you know slap up some new logo (laughs) and we're going to take over I think we have a really good starting plan great um but that's so that's the way that I framed this was how could um our team the Pittsburgh River Hounds and the Steel Army because I think that the Steel Army has an opportunity to reach a large population how could we use these um, different scenarios in order to take over our county and i liked how actionable they were but also how they pointed out ways to not get bogged down so one of the things are like you if you don't have a winning record if you aren't the team that always wins how do you still find your fans how do you still identify with these people and build something that means something because just because you aren't a you know a team that finishes first or second every year just because you know this year let's say just because you're not a liverpool how do you still find fans and how do you have someone root for fulham or brighton hove albion and have them feel connected to that brand and i thought that was a really good thing to consider because while currently we are on a winning streak and we have had a couple of good years we have challenges because we're not in the first division so how do we overcome those challenges Um, they, they bring up a lot of these things just for you to really think about. And I think that you can scale it no matter what kind of team that you want to support or how you want to make soccer better. Like, do you want to do it for your local team? Do you want to do it for your pub team? Do you want to do it for your supporters group? I think this paper had some really great ideas as far as following those steps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I think you bring up a really great point, right? So we're based in the U.S., but so many people follow the English Premier League here, and the teams that they typically choose, right, are those top six teams, right? We, that's, you know, a thing that people talk about a lot. And, you know, you and I have kind of chosen um, some bottoms here, folks, Um Which I believe Fulham is back up in the Premier League this season. We are, guys. Yay, congratulations, Fulham. And Brighton has been up, uh, which Brighton is the team that I cheer for, has been up for, this is their third season back in in the EPL. Um, But, right, like one of the things, like, it's not just about, for me, right, it's not just about watching them win every game because that isn't going to happen right but it's about supporting the community and unfortunately i have not been to brighton yet it is definitely on my like five-year plan to get there um but it's about how they support the community that they have like amazing support for their women's team they have amazing support for all their teams for folks with different disabilities which i think is which i think is incredible right um they were also i believe the first uh, premier league team to have an official float in their city's pride parade which i think is awesome right there are so many aspects that it's not yes the play on the field kind of is the central role but also it's about all the other value add that brighton as a team and as an entity provides to the community and provides for their fans um I'm also on the like, let's recruit everyone to cheer for Brighton because, you know, we need more, more folks uh, in the US. So Liz, you said there were there, you saw some like kind of like concrete things or things that you could work on to move your organizations and your groups forward. What were some of those things?
1: Yeah. So the paper quotes um, Chang for their articulated model and it's from an article in 2005. Um, and I like how it develops. So they start with pre-international, um, considering your survival is a top priority. And we know in U.S. soccer that that is a big deal, especially if you're not, you know, top division and you don't have the conglomeration of you or of MLS um, supporting you and. Sp- spreading the wealth as kind of like a socialist idea. Instead, the lower division teams have to have an owner who can survive. So they're a little bit on their own. And so you have to know that you can survive. Um, Next, they talk about being global. So, you know, working on a presence and brand awareness. What do you want to represent? I think a lot of this should be focused on best practices. And they talk about that, like making a conscious decision, not just about, making the most money but having something that's going to last. And I think the people that you partner with make a huge difference in that. Um their third step is international. So focusing on developing an international brand um in other countries. I think for this this would be, you know, expanding to some of the other boroughs. So Um, They do have a presence in a number of the boroughs because they have a development league. They have a youth league. And I think it's easy to start working with those youth leagues. But there are other youth leagues that we could reach out to and say, there's a local professional team. And how do we, you know, bring those people into the fold and, you know, get everyone involved. And then they bring it back to local, which is my favorite part, that you end with developing a brand um, and an identity that translates into other markets. So I love um, Brighton Hove Albion as an example of this because they are someone who is very inclusive and they do support their women's teams and their disabled teams. And they have a number of different you know, places that they get people involved in the game of soccer. And they have so much support for those teams, not just their first team. Um, and they really show that that's a priority for them. And that's something that you can push out to all of your other markets. So if we conquer Allegheny County, or if Brighton Hope Albion was to conquer Allegheny County, you can go to the next county and say, we're inclusive. We have something here that we've built and that we support and that we care about. And do you want to participate no matter where you're at on the spectrum of people? The answer is probably yes. I mean, soccer is huge. So I like that it brings it back and you end at local. Like you start off at survival and you go the whole gambit and you're going out to the world. But really it's about what are you doing in your community? So that was my favorite part about actionability. I think it really gave me a definite plan. Did you see anything in here that you would use as a plan either for the Hounds or the Steel Army, you know, to push forward to that next step?
0: Yeah, I think... I'm not sure that I was thinking of this like in the context of the Riverhounds, although I do think that's like a great way to think about it. I think, um, you know, going back to just, you know, using the example of Brighton, but for any team that has these perceptions of goodwill, um, not just the quality on the field, but also the goodwill of their fans and you know they provide the example of barcelona which you know paid unicef to put unicef on their jerseys right and like during this time during like the 2008 i forget when it ended maybe 2010 2012 um you know that was that was a huge deal now you know, recently, you know, right now it's, you know, the middle toward the, you know, middle of 2020. Recently, Barcelona has kind of fallen out of favor with a lot of their fans. And some of it has to do with, you know, the quality of the play, but a lot of it has to do with some of the other like business decisions that are being made. So for me, it was an interesting thing to think about this arc, right? That not only... You know, Barcelona is kind of used in this paper as kind of this shining example of, you know, world domination of soccer, which, you know, I think we could argue that Barcelona is probably one of the most popular soccer teams in the world, um, or has been historically, you know, within the past 20 years or so. But now, yeah, but the
1: very least for this paper, like, they're definitely that recognizable, they've reached that pinnacle of being able to identify them
0: yeah and and I think for me, it's about and I think this comes back to what we're dealing with today in this new um acknowledgement of you know black rights black lives matter and racial and social justice issues. For me, it's thinking about how do these organizations navigate these challenging and difficult issues, whether it's the COVID pandemic, whether it's police violence and brutality and, you know, protests or whatever that looks like in your community. How is your organization navigating that? And then how is that building uh, a relationship with your community, right? I think it looks different in different periods of time you know, for Brighton several years ago, it was about having the pride, you know, the float in the pride parade, you know, these days, you know, in, you know, I think at least in English soccer, I've noticed it. And in U S soccer, right. Everyone's wearing like the black lives matter or has have, you know, you know, lives that have been lost to police brutality, you know, on their jerseys or, or whatever the case may be. And so I think it's about, for me, it's about thinking about how to best navigate these challenging times, or at least trying, you know? Um, yes, that was a long rambling thing, and I'm not exactly sure <laughs> where I was going with it, but I, I actually, I did write here that this is not a linear process, and I think this is something I've been thinking about a lot in kind of my own research, and my own, I'm, I'm a big theory person, so in my own, like, theoretical research you know, musings, um, that things, we like to put things in a linear fashion, right? So, like, once you do this, like, you do the local, and then you get, you know, then you expand to, like, your region, and then your country, and then you, like, your, your continent, and then you take over the world, right? And then you come back to the local. We want it to be a, a, a linear process, but it doesn't look like that. That's not life. Life isn't linear. So, um, that's what I've been thinking about, <laughs>
1: I thought something that was interesting is the discussions that they had around using your rivals in order to expand your marketability. And I never would have thought of the relationship that you have there. So if, um, like, all of our friends are dead, we have TFOs with dinosaurs on it that say so. But we had some great rivals, and that relationship that we had with them, I mean, it did get more of... Of the local fans involved, but I think that there's a pot like it could have gotten more of the other fans involved as well. Not even like if they were supporting and our biggest rival used to be Harrisburg, but not even if they were supporting Harrisburg. But if you had to move across the state, or for us, if you moved anywhere near like New York or the Boston area, you weren't gonna suddenly root for Harrisburg. But when there was a game in Harrisburg, it was so much closer, and you could have gone. And really building on those rivalries. And I think that like American football has done some of that very well, Um, especially in the day and age of social media and being able to like tweet challenges at each other or, you know, I'm sure that eventually there will be, you know, dance offs on TikTok or something. I don't know. The kids (laughs) are hip and or with it and I am just not. But whatever the new social media is, I think that that's really helped you use those rivalries Is there any way that you can see a rivalry increasing your marketability and, like, really expanding your brand, um, whether it was talked about in the paper or not? But what do you think about that kind of, like, using the discourse, like, the the, the infighting? I don't know what to call it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not something that you would think of as cohesive, but all of a sudden, like, you can use it.
0: Well, yeah, and I think it's not... It's not just beneficial for the team that you're supporting, right? It's beneficial for both teams. It's beneficial for the league. Um, and depending how uh, profit sharing may look in the leagues, right? It can be really, you know, you think about what, I don't know, two, two three years ago now when Barcelona and Madrid were going to play a Clásico, like in Miami, Right? It was, like, this huge thing. It was, you know, a huge deal because of how big. And so that's not just good for Barcelona or Real Madrid. It's also good for La Liga. It's also good for just kind of soccer broadly. Um, And I think – and it gives someone, like, an event. It gives someone, like, a thing to, like – that's very concrete, right? And I think one of the other things that they mentioned was – um, oh, here. Let me look at the because I don't want to get the number wrong. I think they said like thirteen hundred. Yes, thirteen hundred Peñas, which are like uh, supporters groups for FC Barcelona across the world in two thousand eight. I am almost one hundred percent sure that it is way higher than that now, right? But I think I think having, uh, I think having like rivalries. And then I think another key part which they t- touched on a little bit but having your games televised and accessible to people who are who can't be there in person I think is such a key thing and I think in 2020 we have ESPN Plus that has so many different leagues you know on Saturday I just you know this past Saturday I just turned on uh you know ESPN Plus and just watched I watch like a Dutch game, I watch some like I don't know, fourth league English game. Right, like you know, you just you just flip through and you just get to watch soccer. And you're exposed to players, right? I watched this this game um, for two Dutch teams, and I was like, this is fascinating. And then, uh, you know, my husband decided that he's like, okay, I'm going to support this team now, right? And he's, like, doing all this research, and he's going to buy a jersey. And I'm like, okay, like, that's taking it a bit far, right? But I think having that exposure is, like, such a critical thing. And I think having these rivalries, having these Classicos can, like, really build on that and can really be like like it all works together, right? These are all puzzle pieces. These are all tools in our toolbox that we can use to soccer better, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and about like the rivalries. So I like I understand that there are old rivalries and, you know, El Classico and things that are called but like I'm really enjoying the new rivalry names so El Trafico and hell is real in the MLS just I mean they're things that started with the supporters and I can get behind that the Hennessy Derby in or Derby however you want to pronounce it kids do you um, those things like I love that the supporters did it and it makes me want to be involved so I don't support well, hell is real. I support the Columbus crew because I grew up in Ohio. But there are other, the other ones, I don't have a horse in the race, but I want to. And I want to go to that tailgate. And I want to like have the banter and the back and forth. And I think that that's really important where you have the banter and the back and forth and you have these rivalries that we acknowledge that hopefully we're growing up beyond hooliganism. So like I want to, make fun of you i want you to make fun of me and i want to be really sarcastic together but i want to do it at the same tailgate where like i'm meeting new people and i'm sharing experiences and when i'm not playing you if i show up in your town we can go and get food together and have a great time in the stadium let's just not talk to each other because emotions get very high and that's understandable don't sit as near each other none of that but after the game like let's talk about what was good and bad i don't know like for me that that dichotomy is just, it should change from what it is. I know a lot of people are still, have a lot of animosity towards other supporters groups. And like, I know where it came from and I don't, I'm not saying you're a bad person if you're angry, but, or if you're aggressive, but just it's not for me and it's not what I want. So um, if we are ever on opposing teams, cheering for opposing teams, and I come up at tailgate and I want to be best friends and you're not about it, Please don't hurt me. I'm sorry, but I'll probably try to give you a high five and or a hug.
0: Yeah, well, and I think, and I think you raise a really important point, right? It's these grassroots efforts. It's the supporters, right? And I think that's one of the key things and one of the core elements that I, I'm not sure that they explicitly said, right? But so much of this, so much of the efforts, right, all the efforts, right, of these organizations, of these teams fully rely on their supporters, right? They fully rely on people to buy tickets to go to their games, to buy merch, to, you know, have these grassroots things to help create this environment of passion and love and excitement and rivalry for their team, Um, which I think is just so incredible when you see things like the Save the Crew, Um, efforts several years ago, right? These like big grassroots efforts to really support and push soccer forward. Um, For me, it's just, it's an amazing thing to see. Uh, And I I love watching when people can come together around a common goal, um, especially when it's soccer related, because then it's just really fun. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I like, I just, I know more about it and I, care more about it I and mean, I don't know like those things are nice to see when they're things that speak to your heart or speak to your passions what did you think about making part of that grassroots and that local support honoring and involving where your players are from so mm. that it it seems counterintuitive but they brought it in as part of like that grassroots effort what did you think about the efforts that should be put behind that
0: yeah I think I think we should do more, right? So, yeah, I'm trying to think of my, like, the teams that I support. So I support the River Hounds, the Pittsburgh River Hounds, which are a second division team in the U.S. I support Barcelona, which, you know, is known all over the globe. And, and I support Brighton, um, which is currently in the in the Premier League. And it's interesting, I don't know that... Any of those teams. At least things that I have seen. I don't know that any of them. Have talked about. You know like. Oh tell us about. Your experiences growing up. And not just for the players. Who like didn't grow up in the US. Right but. I I don't know. Have I don't, Maybe I'm like totally missing
1: something. Have you experienced? Yeah I don't think. That I really have. It would be interesting to do more. With. And this is me wanting to get the families involved more but having like a themed tailgate and be like what are your favorite foods can you teach me to make them because that's a personal request because i love to cook food but can we have like some of those foods at the tailgate um and involve the families but really like, what was the style of play where you grew up how is it different from what you're playing now what do you see as the greatest assets that you learned at home What kind of supports or changes would you like to see in, you know, youth soccer here? And and even if you grew up in the U.S., if you grew up in a big city, you might have different kinds of supports than you see, you know, in smaller uh, markets. Um, But especially, I think, like the overseas. I'm very curious about that just because I don't have a lot of experience or exposure. I did not do a lot of traveling uh, in my youth. So... I think that's very interesting i like the idea but mostly because i think of it in connection with getting to know the families who i think that we need to support i think larger clubs probably already know that and have a support system in place for those families i anticipate that even smaller groups do because i don't hear a lot of need for the supporters groups to help out with that but if there is a need um, i want to interject myself into that because I think it would be amazing. Yeah, no, I 100%
0: agree with you. And I think, and it's also, so it's different in the U.S., right? Because I'm thinking of some of the international folks on the Riverhounds. And many of them played college soccer in the U.S., right? So they've been here, they've they've lived in the U.S. for maybe four or five, six years if they're you know, if they're born in another country, um, which I think is interesting, right? Uh, but also, yeah, how do we support their families? I mean, you and I have talked about this offline so much, right? How can we do a better job supporting the families and, and helping people who are newly coming to Pittsburgh to figure out how to get around and just have that support, right? Because I, I mean, I know for myself, right, it takes a village to not only raise a child, it takes a village to, like, help me get through my life, right, like, just get through a normal week, you know, I need my friends, I need my support systems, and I think when your support systems are, you know, on the other side of the country in California or on the other side of the world in, like, France or Ghana or, you know, wherever, I think that can be even more challenging.
1: But most importantly, please teach me your recipes. That anyone listening, I want to know how to cook new things. Thank you. Yes.
0: <laughs> we can also, we can, we can have like a, we could do like a sub episode about
1: uh, cooking. And canning no. and jam making. Oh. Kids, oh, you're man. in for Ooh. a real treat one of these days. Do you
0: know what I'm, like, really wanting to make some apple butter? I mean, apple butter is, like, the easiest thing in the world to make, right? You throw applesauce in a crock pot and just let it sit there. But I love apple butter. Okay. Um, Liz, do you have anything else that you want to talk about with this paper?
1: Yes. At the very end of the paper, (laughs) they make a final point that I think is a great closing point for this discussion, which is... You have to be true to yourself and you have to be genuine just because everyone is doing that new TikTok dance doesn't mean that you get your team out on the field to do that TikTok dance and do some gimmick just to get some new fans or to get the tiniest bit of exposure. You have to think long term. Now, if you have to do it for survival, I'm not going to fault you and no one's going to fault you because that's step one. Make sure you can make it to next season. But if you're surviving to next season and you're taking those next steps, make conscious decisions that are good for the future of your club or your supporters group. If you're taking this even deeper, make decisions that are good for you. What is your brand? What do you wanna be known for? And I really took that to heart because I think that it applies not only to being better in soccer, but being better in your life. What do you, if someone told you know, your best friend or whomever you, you know, look up to in the world that this is what you stood for and this is what you were doing. Would you be proud of that? Do you think that they would want to associate with you because you're doing those things? So really be true to yourself was a great final point for this paper. What's your uh parting takes? Oh uh, well, you know, Liz, I could not have
0: said anything better than what you have just said. So I one hundred percent agree with you Uh, on that point and I think that's a great place to end to make sure that we as individuals are true to ourselves that we as supporters groups are true to what we believe in that our teams are staying true to their communities and their players and continuing to advocate for the well the holistic well-being of everyone um, I think is just so incredibly important so I think that's a great place to end, Liz. I will see you next time for
1: more Soccer Better. And we will be true to ourselves, and that'll make soccer better. Soccer Better. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you to our host, the Beautiful Game Network. BGN covers teams across the MLS, USL Championship, and USL League One. Check out podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. You can follow us on Twitter at BGN Soccer Better. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you think about today's show and be sure to share it with a friend. Thanks, everyone. Remember, you can always soccer better. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your grouper team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.